Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. From Postcard from the Past and Wardour Studios, this is podcast from the past the postcard podcast this is the podcast where we lay our postcards on the table and try to look beyond impossibly blue skies giant good luck cats and one-eared donkeys to try to make sense of the messages memories and meanings invested in picture postcards and to tell those stories i'm tom jackson and today i'm delighted to say my guests are writer john grindrod and broadcaster and antiques expert jeffrey munn john and jeffrey hello and welcome hello hello Now, John Grinrod is best known for his books on post-war architecture, town planning and social history, which could make him sound like rather a dry writer, but that would be a false inference. As readers of either Concretopia, A Journey Around the Rebuilding of Post-War Britain, or his latest book, The Brilliant Outskirts, can attest, his writing is genuinely personal and tells the human stories uh, that make sense of the strange and often irrational decisions that have shaped and continue to shape our towns and countryside. Now, John comes to us with a permanent CR0 postmark from New Addington in the London borough of Croydon. I certainly do. John, do you still send postcards? I do, I do. I think the last one I sent was from Aberystwyth about a month ago uh, to my brother's family. Um... A really very trad postcard describing the general insanity of Aberystwyth seafront with, you know, the you know, the funicular railway at one end and the war memorial at the other. And um uh yeah, I love sending postcards. Very good. Well, I'm pleased to hear it. Now Jeffrey Munn is known to millions of viewers as an expert on the BBC Antiques Roadshow. Uh, where he brings his vast knowledge, uh, particularly of jewellery, to bear on the mystery items uh, brought to the roadshow, whilst teasing equally intricate stories from the owners. Uh, Geoffrey's written four books about jewellery. He's written about the drawings of Rossetti, Edward Lear and Turner, and also about the history of Southwold, where he spends much of his time. Um, All this a far cry from his first television appearance in 1963, where he and his brother introduced pet fox cubs to Johnny Morris on Animal Magic. The question, Geoffrey, 
Did Johnny do the voices? He did, I think, and the, <laughs> maddeningly, the, the, the recording doesn't survive. Of course, I've tried to, to get it back, but I think there were a few, not voices specifically, but squeaky noises I can remember, <laughs> sort of foxy, scritchy, scratchy, brush-tailed noises. Yes, I think so. Wildlife was so much easier to understand when someone put funny voices beside them. Yes. <laughs> Jeffrey comes to us today bearing an IP postmark from Southworld. Now, Jeffrey, when did you last send a postcard? Ah, well, I'm not great at sending postcards, but I do remember the magic of one of them in that when my boys were very young, um, Caroline took them up to see her sister in the Northern Isles of the United Kingdom. And I said to them, I'm going to drop a postcard in the letterbox at Crystal Palace and the very next day you will get it in the Northern Isles. And you know what? They did. And that was, um, I don't know what that was like. It's almost an email, a paper email. It went instantly to them. And they were rather startled and surprised. And I don't know whether they still got it, but um, it touched me anyway that it, the post does work. And these are highly evocative things. They're autographed things, aren't they? That's the point. First of all, you've chosen the subject matter. That's from your intellect and your imagination. And then there's the handwriting on it, which is very, um, very potent today when handwriting is rather on the back boiler. Yes, and of course, if you look at old cards that have been sent to you by relatives, you you know who they're from before you look at the signature because you know the writing. Yes, and funny enough, that does fan out into what's laughingly called um, expertise in the art world because fundamentally we're all recognising the handwriting of um, decorative arts or, or, or fine art or whatever, drawings and paintings, and it's really the same skill and it's very difficult to articulate. And that's simply the eye, simply experience that gives you that. You can't really make rules around that, I suppose. No, you can't really, no. And then there are people who want to fake the handwriting, so that's a real, real issue, but it's too complicated to go into now. But fundamentally, it wouldn't be possible for somebody to fake one of your postcards to, uh, from, your, to, 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 from your granny to you because you'd sort of know it and the voice coming off the postcard would not be heard. And so when these fake works of art come across the desk um, they look all right but the voice coming from them is 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 wrong and discordant fascinating fascinating well before we discover the cards that jeffrey and john have brought along i'll give you a quick one of mine and this is of course a postcard from the past card uh, like i do on twitter in the book it's an an old card from which i've taken just a short part of the message uh, it's not that old actually this one this is from 1987 it's a card of gentlemen any ideas Ooh. Um, um, it's cathedral. I'll help you. It's Wells Cathedral. Oh, yes. Oh. Um, and this is uh, a tale of a day out, really. We came on a coach with the Abbotsbury Diamond Club, and I bought myself a new umbrella to remember the day. And then it goes on to, uh, presumably it was raining, and then um, it goes on to a bit of a sort of uh, reverie about umbrellas. Last new umbrella, 1958, exclamation mark. Still growing strong, exclamation mark. Just thought I'd have a change. Oh, isn't that <laughs> so lovely? The world of umbrellas well. from... Uh, if it was my umbrella, I'd be going strong with somebody else because they usually last only about three yes. or four minutes before they're left in the <laughs> train. Or Precisely. I think they had 25... No, rather longer... 32 years of that umbrella, I think. Amazing. Very good work. Probably never took it out of the house. It's an odd photo of Wells Cathedral because actually most of it's obscured by trees hmm. from that angle. Yes. Yes. <laughs> yes. It, it but they've got ducks in the front. There are ducks, yeah. Yes. I mean, I'm all for ducks. Yes. But even the ducks are a bit hitting the edge of the frame. Rather. They are, They're not yeah. Yes. Yeah. It's yeah. very avant-garde. 
There you are. Yeah, and that's from your collection. Where, where's, where have you found that one? Uh, collection is a very polite word, Geoffrey. <laughs> Hoard. I was going to say a mania, probably. Series of, where's a series yeah. of cardboard boxes mm. in the garage, I'm afraid. Fabulous. Um, as someone said, you put in, put in your thumb and pull out a plum. You just see what comes out. <laughs> so I'll do another quick one, um, just because I can. And this is a much simpler image. Uh, two horses, uh, of course, from the New Forest. The New Forest and horses in the postcard world are completely yeah. intertwined. You can't mention one without the other. Um, and this card is a little bit earlier. It's from the 1970s. It's got that uh, pink two and a half p stamp. Mm-hmm. Actually, uh, uh, a Welsh one. Lovely. Anyway, uh, the message reads: Jill's next door neighbour is at the moment servicing the Anglia for us. They are such <laughs> a nice young couple. <laughs> Goodness. Uh, and then, it, and then it's slightly odd. It says, "He's the one." who took Jill out driving each night. My goodness. So I don't... Yes, wow. Um, it's a well, 1970 psychological thriller. Yeah, yeah I think if you were happen. of a suspicious mm. frame of mind, you might um, yeah. read more into that than, uh, than I'm well, sure was intended. It was only the car that was being serviced, I think. So it's all right. <laughs> <laughs> Otherwise, it all gets a bit bokeh by yes, wire, it does. <laughs> Servicing the Anglia. There we are. Now, um, I've... <laughs> If we raise the temperature too much in here. We're all blushing here. To let you know at home, um, images of those very innocent cards um, uh, and all the others we discussed today are going to be on the blog, which is postcardfromthepast.co.uk, so you can investigate for yourself. Um, Now, John and Geoffrey, you've been kind enough to come along to the studio today armed with postcards. John, let's start with you. Could you tell me about the first card you've brought for us? So, in fact, I think you may have snuck two in here. Yeah, I've completely broken the format of the programme by bringing three postcards. Didn't take long. I'm so sorry. Um, So the first one I uh, I want to talk about is a postcard uh, from my nan from the, I think, the late 60s. We can't tell because it would have been posted in an envelope rather than, um, so it has no stamp or postmark on it. It's absolutely stunning. Can you describe it for us? Yeah, it's amazing. So it's a, a flamenco dancer. It's from Spain. The postcard is from Spain. Very Spanish. She has a uh, she's got a red rose in her hair. She's looking incredibly haughty in a in a fantastic stance there. And she's she's wearing a um, a blue uh, multi-layered ruffled dress covered in sequins. And the, the dress and the sequins are all real. They're appliqued onto the top of the postcard. So multicoloured sequins all over it and layers of, I think, pale blue nylon by the feel of it uh, and white nylon. And then there are even, underneath that, little petticoat. Good. Lacy petticoat. I know. It's quite seaside. I know. It's incredible. So, yes. So, I mean, she... You know, she's got a slight element of the shuttlecock about her as a result. <laughs> but it's an absolutely amazing object. And it couldn't look more kind of, you know, sort of Spanish package holiday 1960s if it tried, There's really. a sort of There's iconic some... flavour to those, isn't mm. it? And a little bit of Marilyn Monroe flung in, do you think? Yes, yeah, yes, think absolutely, so, yes. yeah. Yeah, or Jane Mansfield, possibly. Oh, not Jane Mansfield, perfect, yes. yes. <laughs> um, and then on the back... She's she's written it to Marge, John and the boys. Now, the boys at this point would have been my two elder brothers because I don't think I would have been born when this was sent, uh, although obviously we don't have a date. Uh, lovely time. Been to a bullfight this afternoon uh, and then it becomes a bit illegible. Uh, and then it says, went to a free nightclub last night, free drinks again, all night. Got Ooh. in about two o'clock. 
then she talks about uh, Tossa de Mar, where um, they uh, where they've been on holiday. Uh, there's a great bit that says S enjoyed the plane. I think S is my cousin. S enjoyed the plane. Never knew you was on it. Oh, I see. The yeah. journey was just so yeah, exactly amazing. And then she talks about the uh, the. The shopping centre and the uh, fact that it, uh, it's incredibly dear. She said, there's a bar we can stay in uh, till 3am in the morning. And then um, there's a cocktails, a two shillings, and there's another drink, uh, which I can't quite read. It's something on Coke, uh, which was one shilling. And then she says, well, Marge, must close now, which yes. is a very odd yes. ending. Yes. Yes. Lovely, that. Um, but lovely. And... Um, I have no recollection about how I got this postcard. My parents both died about 20 years ago. So we sort of randomly inherited stuff from them. And so this was just in a a load of stuff. And I I think I never quite appreciated what an amazing relic it is of my nan before I was born and a sort of... We used to take my nan on holiday. We used to go to Bournemouth and places, and she was always like, "Oh, it's not, you know, it's nice, isn't it? But it's not Spain." Oh, <laughs> oh I see. So she was quite sniffy about. So Bournemouth. this had a bit of an impact. This holiday. yeah, absolutely, yeah. So she, she must have gone a few times. The weird omission in in this is there's no mention of my granddad oh. at all. So I don't and, know whether he was, alive. he was alive. Yeah, absolutely. So I think because they were quite a combustible couple, I think. Possibly he stayed at home and did something else. Servicing the car, do you think, or not? <laughs> <laughs> well, there were there were no Anglias, but so who he, knows? So he wasn't there when they were out at the, the bar till 3am? It doesn't look like it. I mean, it doesn't sound like it. It's not mentioned at all. So, um, And it's not from the two of them. It's only from her. So, yeah, it's peculiar. And I like the fact that what should be solving a family mystery and kind of making something from before I was born a bit clearer actually has made it even more mystifying than it was before I knew about it. So, it's very yes. sculptural, isn't it? I mean, Ooh. the three dimensions is hard to articulate, isn't it? Because, I mean, it's the, the mm. trails of her dresses and the sequins and they're really standing out and that's maybe one reason why it was kept. It's a, it's yeah. a very extraordinary one. I yeah. suppose that, yes, they're, they're mm. sort of souvenirs as much as, as, much yes. as cards. It's a dolly, that's what it is. Yeah. Yeah, and it's got lovely scalloped edges as well, the actual mm. card itself. Yes. So, oh, very uh, nice. Yeah, which is very good. It's, so it's a, it's mm. a tactile experience. Yes. Yes. Um, and also when you move it, the sequins all kind of, they do dazzle. Yes. No, I mean, it's quite... <laughs> it's, it's, I, I feel a bit it's, bad. We've got Jeffrey Munn here. Yeah. And we're, we're flashing <laughs> On sequins. The no, I love it. I, <laughs> no, I love it. I, I was so intimidated when I realised I had to get out, like, you know... Oh, no, it's, it's vintage, vintage objects in front of Jeffrey. Oh, Martin, don't there we are. no, I think that's a stunner. No, I mean, autograph letters, you know, from whatever period, they, as we say, they are um, they're, they're hugely um, redolent, aren't they? And mm. they become redolent really quickly, actually. And family photographs do the same. So you take mm. a photograph at the end of Brighton Pier. And it's an expression of reality at that time. But then the lens is very quickly distorted. Even 10, 15 years later, it's become, has another life of its own. This is mm. photography. But it's true of these postcards too, I think. Very strange. Time is a, a warped lens. Yes. I think one thing that strikes me about um, that message is something I see quite often in old cards now, is reference to the flight. Mm. Um, yeah. The business of going from mm. A to B, even if it's just driving to Bournemouth, mm. actually, is something that, was worth talking about mm. because it, it might not work. Now, the flights always worked, but people were very concerned about it. I presume that cousin was their first flight. Yeah, yeah. So they were surprised that it was so straightforward. Yeah, yeah. I don't think if we went, if you went on holiday now, unless you were going... 
to Australia, you probably wouldn't mention the flight on a postcard, would you? You just say, we're here, we got here. You know, and the here. other magic thing I can remember from my first flight was actually looking down on the clouds. I thought that was almost something that God really didn't want us to do. <laughs> I mean, it seemed almost heretical that you could look down on the top of these great billowing, fluffy, strange things. And that uh, filled me with awe, I must say. I mean, really, really exciting. Mm. Um, yeah, and really, I'm a two generations before, one generation before, no one had ever done that. Nobody had ever seen it. But, um, yeah, very, very amazing experience. Still is, actually. Even when I take a flight, I can call that back. And sometimes you see the sunrise across the top of the clouds. And it's like um, the Book of Revelation or something. It's absolutely amazing. Mm. It's a better view than the film they're trying to show you. Or... Yes, always. <laughs> and with your knees around your ears as well. Yeah. Yes, I don't like flying very much. No. Um, I think, I, I mean, I'm a very kind of excited flyer. And I sort of took that took that reference to be that she was, mm. you know, that she really enjoyed it, you know, that it was a, an exciting, you mm. know, debut on a plane. We've probably just caught the last gasp of um, the old money there as well, haven't we? Yes, yeah, I think just so. Just about 1969, 70. Mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the prices were considered expensive? She was saying they were dear? She thought the supermarket was dear. I don't think she thought the drinks were particularly. No. Um, given that she does reference drinks in three different sentences on yeah. what is quite a small postcard. And very light on the bullfight as well, isn't she? I know, get straight out of yeah, that. Don't, yeah, no, don't worry about that. It's yeah, just something being, yeah. Yeah. Yes, yeah. no concerns. No. Oh, no, there were no qualms. No. Absolutely. No, she definitely wasn't a person to have any qualms about that kind of thing. Yeah. Interesting. <laughs> well, your, um, your, your recent book... Uh, Outskirts uh, is, is is both a story of the green belt in in the UK, but it's also um, in large part autobiographical. And I think your second card is also part of part of your autobiography. Mm, that's right. Yes. Yeah. So this is a postcard of Bermuda. Um, it's a very very trad beach scene, sea lapping against rocks. And, nice uh, place to get a card from, though. Yeah, mm. lovely, yes. And this card is from Carol Kay, who was my English teacher at school. Uh-huh. And we remained really close friends. And she died about 10 years ago. And she, she was absolutely brilliant. And there is no way that I would have gone on and written Outskirts or anything without her encouragement. She was a fantastic teacher. And in fact, the English department at my school, which was Fairchild High School, were amazing and really inspirational. And I had sort of several several English teachers, and they were all brilliant. And Carol was the last one, so I did my O-levels with her. And we remained friends. And it was strange, sort of at her funeral, sort of talking to people. They were sort of, sort of saying, that Carol, you'd say, well, it's, it's so odd that we've remained friends. Well, you know, you don't really expect that, you know, with with you know, pupils necessarily that you would you would just become mates. And we used to just go out, you know, we used to go to cinema and theatre and just go down the pub. You know, we were we were really good mates. I think that is unusual. Was it your Miss Jean Brody? <laughs> <laughs> without the uh, without the fascist uh, undertones. <laughs> no, yes, <exactly>. absolutely, yeah. <laughs> no, yeah, no, luckily she wasn't a metaphor for something else. She was really brilliant. She was uh, also incredibly sort of strong character. She stood to be the Labour candidate for Croydon and she became a head teacher and she, she sort of did all sorts of quite quite kind of amazing things with her life. What I like about the postcard is that she's she's taken stickers with her. Um, so she's got my name and address on a sticker that she's just hmm. applied to the post. So she was so organised. That's her all over. Incredibly organised. Um, knew what she was doing. You know, these are the postcards I'm going to be sending. Um, and just took, took them along with her so she didn't have to kind of weigh herself down with a, with a you know, a hmm. contacts book or something. So. 
And and as one, what, you know, what are the barriers to sending a postcard? Getting the stamp and knowing the address. Mm-hmm. So one of the one of the oh, battles is already won. Yeah. I see. It's the address yeah. she was noting yes. earlier. Yeah. Because I couldn't see the sense of that at all for a minute. Yeah. But I've got it now. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so I think it, I think it was all to do with just planning ahead and mm. making also making sure that she actually did it, mm. and she knew that she would want to send a card to you, and mm. presumably because you would appreciate it. Yeah, absolutely. Mm. And she used to travel around the world a lot, and she would always send me a postcard wherever she went. So I've got I've got tons of these, um, you know, from Peru and all. And over it the is place. very autograph as well. You get a sense of the fact that she's well organised. It's incredibly um, legible, and it's full of character. The handwriting, so yeah. Yeah. Mm. Yes. She Thanks. said there's nothing much to do there except lounge about reading with the occasional swim to cool down, which just oh. sounds like the perfect holiday. Yes. yes, from time to time, that is exactly what you need. Yeah. Perhaps right now. <laughs> <laughs> Very good. Oh, that's, uh, thank you for those two um, personal cards. Geoffrey, let's move to your first card. What have you got for us? Well, when you first asked me to, to take part in this, I was panic-struck because, frankly, I couldn't think of a postcard that I could bring. And no sooner had I received your email than the letterbox went clunk like that and um, a postcard from my brother arrived, sent from Malta. And um, I don't think I've really had a postcard, um, a notable postcard, for maybe eight to ten years. And then the very <laughs> second you get in touch, the letterbox opened. It's absolutely gospel. And so I was very grateful. And it's actually a rather poignant one, really, because... Um, my father was in the Navy and they were stationed in Malta and my brother Roger was actually born there and um, and it has to be that I was actually conceived in Malta but my mother flew back and I was born in Hastings and then later we went on a holiday there um, when I was a bit too young to remember very much and he was two years old so probably has greater clarity and we did all the old sites, the Neolithic temples and uh, this, that and the others and then we chanced um, upon a cave which is called Gar Dalam um, which is famous for fossils because prehistoric animals must have been confronted with a flood and they were all driven into the cave and they died there so their bones are six feet deep of hippopotami and rhinos and all kinds of things very strange phenomenon and so he's going back there and and he said, um, do you remember much of our visit over 50 years ago? I can't believe Oh, God, no. That is half a century, and I don't like it. Anyway, um, at all. And, um, and, and, he, and your brother's reminding you of it. Yes, he's rubbing it in, and he's two and a half years older than me, so he's in worse trouble than me. And um, um, But actually, I do really rather remember it for a rather odd reason, because when we saw all these bones, we were already fossil mad and natural history geeks and collecting all kinds of things. And then one of the people looking after the cave gave us two fossilised hippopotami bones, which Ooh. were very chalky, and they were hundreds of thousands of years old. And um, and they're very uninspiring-looking things. I can remember what they looked like. Um, but anyway, to my horror, when I was at boarding school, my mother cleared out my collection of <laughs> animal skulls. You can't trust anybody. As soon as you go away, they throw your animal skulls away, oh, and right. and including the fossils. And so out went they. And um, But he does remember them in the card. And um, and uh, anyway, he, he's um, got a great sense of humor. Humor and is very amused by cats and puts a sort of anthropomorphic 
note on cats. And so he signs off Roger and Annika. And then at the bottom here, many feral cats. Oh. And this brings up something in my mind and his, which is very Walt Disney of sort of slitty-eyed, uranium-eyed cats sort of scratching around. And so it's a message to me that really works. So that's a, that's a, a, a most marvellous postcard for me. And boy, was it. And the timing was great because I'd be in a serious jam if it hadn't arrived, I'll tell you, really. Oh, I, I hate to think we put pressure on people, but isn't, it, isn't that fortuitous that oh, yes. it just arrived? But it was minutes, you see. That's the even weirdest thing. <laughs> And so there we are. And life's like that, I think. You're sort of seizing the moment. And actually, my, my career has been very much that. It's been um, an amazing billiard break. And I was um, at Stenning Grammar School with my Miss Jean Brodie, if you like, um, and, 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 um, and answered an advertisement in the newspaper which said, assistant required in well-known antique shop. And it was one of the most um, um, celebrated antique shops in in that time in Regent Street and it sold works of art by Carl Fabergé and jewellery with a dazzling clientele. It had six royal warrants on the top of the note paper. Six. <laughs> Greece, Denmark, the United Kingdom, I don't know what else. And um, inevitably one did meet a lot of those people. So it's been, been magic and that was serendipity seizing the moment and... Um, the truth is I shouldn't have got the job because I had masses of black hair and a beard and was very sort of failed hippie. Um, sadly, I'm not. I, I find this hard to imagine. Yeah. Now, but, uh, no, very much so. <laughs> and, um, yeah, like a busby it was. It was thick. My father always said, what, what about that busby? It's time you got it cut. And, <laughs> and now, now I'm like a sort of threadbare oriental rug. There's nothing oh. there at all. Right down to the felt. <laughs> right down to the felt. And my beard's fallen down. So there we are. Very good. Well, we we should thank your brother then for um, taking and taking you back fifty years. Yes, and and in fact going back hundreds of thousands of years with that cave. Indeed, yeah. And there's a photograph of it, and the bones are absolutely piled up there. And um, and it was a magical occasion to go go to Malta. Malta is very beautiful. And um, St. Paul's Grotto is at Gozo, the next island over. And it's thick with history. And in a sense, the bones here parallel the, 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 the poor old Malta has been invaded by absolutely everybody. And there's a sort of strata of activity going on there on a human level as well as on an animal fossil level. Very good. Well, thank you for that. Um, we're going to take a break in a moment. I'll do another quick card of mine. This is... From Pontins in Brecklesham Bay, Sussex. Mm -hmm. There's a multi-view of various activities going on at Pontins. Oh, yes. You must take me there one day. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know if it's still there. <laughs> I thought we'd get something out of it. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, is, that, is that how it works? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. This, is, this is... I. It's hard to read the date on it, but it's, it's from the 60s. They'll threepenny stamp. It's a bit ripped up, actually. And it's written by someone whose name I can't read. After you left on Sunday... Mum won seventeen pounds three shillings on the old bingo. A lot of money. How much was it? Seventeen pounds oh, and three shillings. Oh my god, that was huge. What yeah. date are we? Mid sixties. No, that really it's was a lot of money. Yeah. I mean that without that that that's exactly what I was paid per week ten years later. So right. So um really a lot. There must yeah. have been a lot of players to have actually raked in mm. that as a prize money. Or is it of some sort of super end of the week rollover? Yeah. I don't I don't know how bingo works. Well, I would roll over but, um, if I'd run that. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I think. Well, I think that's why they say on the old bingo, like it kind of a certain affection for it by this stage. Yeah. yeah. No yeah. wonder. Yeah. Yes. Um, but then they follow it up with 
Wind is cold again today. <laughs> oh, God. So back to normality. I'm and where afraid. is it? What what pe- what, what, what Brac- pontins is it? Bracklesham Bay, Sussex. Oh yes, it so does look like the wind would blow it there. It does sound mm. a bit chilling, doesn't it? Yeah, the colours the colours are mm. quite cold. Oh, I love Bracklesham Bay. Easy. That's a wonderful card, isn't it? Oh, do, you, do you know the area? Mm. Yeah. And is Pontin still there? I don't think so. Might be there under um, another name. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. That that is a great one, though, isn't it? I love the. Um, I love the swimming pool section. That's amazing. And, and it is that point about that being an absolute reality at the time. That is what it looked like. There was no argument at all. And yet to us, it's it been imbued with something rather strange. This is already an unreality, yes. which is very, very odd and quite inexplicable. You can't go back in time. No. No. There is that thing, isn't there, where they're all sort of tinted and sort of, you know, all the colours mm. are sort of like painted over and sort of made sort of slightly hyper real. And um, mm. and you really notice it with... with with postcards of the, from the 60s particularly, don't you? Yeah, the skies are nearly always enhanced, I think. You know, English skies are fairly grey most of the time. Yeah. And they're, but they're not on postcards. They're very, very blue. And, and they have been for a hundred years. Yes. Um, the, the, the postcards have been enhanced. They've, postcards have never really been very true photographs. No. They're probably truer now than they ever have been. Uh, he- early ones were very much enhanced. And even the photographs uh, have this strange um, otherworldly quality, particularly 19th century ones, you know, the, looking at the pre-Raphaelites and, 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 and William Morris and Rossetti. That you, you feel that they couldn't walk across the room. Something has happened to them. They're very, very odd. Essentially ghosts on paper, isn't it? Mm. Ghosts on paper. Mm. Absolutely right. That's full of ghosts there. Actually, they might all be gone by now, mightn't they? Well, not. That's me talking 50 years later. <laughs> <laughs> Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. You're listening to Podcasts from the Past, the Postcard Podcast. My guests today are writer John Grindrod and antiques expert Geoffrey Munn. Now, John, what's the third card you have for us today? Yes, my third uh, format-breaking card is... The control tower taken from the rooftop gardens of London Airport. It's a black and white postcard. Another one with scalloped edges. I've got clearly got a thing about scalloped edges. <laughs> um, 
black and white photo of Frederick Gibbard's control tower of London Airport, which became Heathrow Airport. And um, it's, a, it's a beautiful modernist building. Gibbard designed Harlow New Town and, you know, lots of kind of incredible buildings, uh, Liverpool Metropolitan Cathedral. And this is one of his most famous buildings just because so many people saw it going on their holidays. And uh, the postcard itself is I picked it up in a market in Bristol. So this is something you purchased. This is yes. not a family one. This is no. but but you've been drawn to it. I was drawn to it firstly because it has it's a Frederick Gibbard building and I love Frederick Gibbard. Secondly because it's an airport and I am really drawn to airports. I am a bit obsessed. I grew up just over a valley from Biggin Hill and we used to you know, have planes flying over the house, sort of low flying over the house all the time. So I was always obsessed with planes as a kid. So airports I love. And I, there's something about the kind of <laughs> the message that I really loved as well. It's to Mr. and Mrs. Haddock. Uh, really? In, in Tavistock in Devon. One of the smoked haddocks, obviously. Uh, yes. <laughs> uh, if, if you're listening, Mr and Mrs Haddock, you are, I know you're a very fine, upstanding uh, people. So. Yeah, absolutely. It's better than bloater, isn't it, really? <laughs> <laughs> Dear Mum and Dad, we're having a lovely time watching the planes come and, uh, come and out. Uh, it is lovely today, today as two separate words, which is obviously dates it in itself, uh, and has made it all the better for getting around. See you on Saturday, love Hazel and Ron. So what this couple, young couple, are doing is they've gone um gone to London Airport to watch the planes, uh, and that's something that I used to do as a kid. Used to you, you know we used to go to Biggin Hill and watch the planes take off, and it's such an archaic activity now. I can't imagine anybody really does that apart from maybe a very tiny body of sort of committed fans. Plane probably, spotters. Yeah, you probably don't just get sort of general viewers, and you know you go to airports now and you have those enormous windows with all of the activity going on outside, and nobody really looks out there. Everyone's reading a phone or a book or, or asleep. So it's um, it's kind of interesting that this this represents uh, an era that that is we've totally lost. The postcard has been sent in 1960. When was when was Heathrow developed? So Heathrow, I mean, the actual airport was was there in a really really small way before the war, and then it was London Airport. I mean, there's there's a big kind of crossover with Croydon uh, Airport, which is obviously my, my dad used to work on the site of Croydon Airport. Croydon Airport was the big airport in the 30s, and that's the one you know that Neville Chamberlain is photographed going off to you know mm. wave bits of paper around, and um, and, and which of, is presumably why Croydon was flattened in the war. <laughs> because they wanted to hit Croydon Airport. Very well, there, there was a bit of that. Also, there was a bit of doodlebugs falling short. So there was quite a lot. Croydon got really, really hammered by that. And I think trouble with being a suburb, you know, yeah. you're on the way to the big stuff. Yeah, absolutely. Well, there was a thing that where um, there was misinformation was fed back, I think, apparently to uh, to Germany about where the bombs were landing, so that they kept reprogramming where the doodlebugs would would land and so they kept falling short so in a way we sacrificed Croydon and the suburbs of South London to save central London 
by pretending that they were all hitting central London wow, and, wow. Um, when they weren't. So, so that's us. And there isn't a plane in the sky, which is no, rather interesting. No, you absolutely. think you might have tried to get that if you were a photographer. But... Yeah, absolutely. Mm. And it really reminds me of, I mean, I love that book, Boring Postcards. That was, you know, that was one of the reasons. That the Martin of, Parr book. Yeah, that was one of the things that really sort of turned me on to architecture and design of this period seeing things in a slightly unadorned way rather than, you know, in a lot of architectural photos, everything looks incredibly heroic. But in postcards, everything looks a bit more friendly than that. And I like... So, so a lot of people were sort of mocking the images in the Martin Parr book. You saw it as a kind of I spy book that you wanted to oh, go and see more absolutely. of it. Absolutely. <laughs> I just wanted to be in that world. And so I think ever since then, I've kind of recreated that world for myself. So and so going around and buying old postcards like this, which I do quite a lot, I'm still sort of building that. And so when I saw postcards from the past sort of emerge on Twitter, it was <laughs> instantly one of my favourite things. That's great. That's so, a phrase. weird image, isn't it? It is. It's mm. very beautifully constructed. I mean, mm. you know, it probably conforms a lot to uh, rules of thirds and, uh, you know, mm. <laughs> which, a lot which, of... which I don't think postcards often do, actually. Postcards very often plonk the subject in the middle. Mm. I think that's, that's, it's, there's a lot of space in there. Yeah, the control mm. tower is off to one side, and so it's a sort of L shape building that we're seeing the building itself wasn't l-shaped because it had all sorts of all sorts of bits coming off it in different directions but but the way that we're seeing it in this photo makes it look like it's just a big it looks like a large boot and that's gone now that building yes so uh, and also that's another thing is that the building has has Hmm. disappeared so it's a little museum piece not only of the activity of going plane spotting but of the building itself perhaps we should bring back plane spotting Probably... Some, some of us have never left it. Oh, I beg well, your pardon. Yeah, I think <laughs> you'll find... Actually, no, I think my, my boyfriend would uh, go crazy if I took that up as a, as a, another, as a hobby these days. I know, exactly, yeah. Another, another potentially geeky and draining thing. Yeah. Send him a postcard. <laughs> Don't tell him to his face. Send him a postcard. <laughs> you wondered where I was. <laughs> another airport. Yeah. Oh, poor Adam. <laughs> Very good. Oh, well, thank you for bringing that. It's, it's interesting to see um, uh, a card that you've purchased and uh, that you, you spent you spent uh, honest honest cash on. <laughs> Jeffrey, what's the final card you've got for us? Well, it's a very touching card in a way, and it's got a lot to do with me because we have a house in Southwold, and um, and my genetics are there from my mother's side because they came from Halesworth, and my grandfather was a coach builder in Halesworth, and they were married in the Methodist church that there, and that's only a stone's throw away from Southwold, and then quite by chance um, we were introduced, to, well, I was introduced to Southwold from another avenue entirely, and both Caroline and I fell in love with this and um, ultimately we managed to get a house there and enjoy it very much but what seeped through was the certain knowledge that um, enormous litany of famous people have been there often by railway funny enough in the 19th century but, but before then by sea and in 1608 the King's players came to Dunwich and they would have come into Southwold Harbour and William Shakespeare was a signed up member of the King's players 
at that time. That is the only safe thing to say, that in 1608 they came, and we don't know whether he was there or not. What we do know is that the scrivener in Dunwich paid the King His Majesty's players six shillings and eightpence or something like that, and recorded that he was much displeased with the acting. Oh. So I know it's very good, isn't it? <laughs> so I'm William what, what were they performing, do you know? And we don't know, sadly. There were three performances, and they would have come by sea and bring their own scenery, and they, there was rampant plague in London at the time. So that's the head of a great uh, list of literary people who'd been to Southwold, Thomas Hardy, um, William Morris. It goes on and on and on, and painters too. And so Sickert, Whistler, I don't know what else. And so actually I decided that it might be a good avenue of research, and so I put together a book about it, which is done very nicely and has just had a reprint and um, allowed me to include other people there. Um, postcards were very important at that time. Uh, Thomas Hardy sent a postcard, a rather dull one, I have to say, of Southwold Church to somebody. And uh, I can't remember where it is now. It's in a public collection. And it says something like, cold today, and sent it off. Um, <laughs> so it wasn't may- a cheerful postcard correspondent. No, and it may have had something to do with the fact that his mistress was living only three doors down and wasn't allowed into society because... Uh-huh. Um, but anyway, that's a whole another story. But anyway, so lots and lots and lots to write about, about Southwold and all of it very strong and marvellous. And then I came across a postcard, which I have here now, and it's a a drawing, actually, and we know who... uh made the postcard and he's a man called G.H. Sadler and it's, it's a drawing of a child in an absolute agony um, in red swimming um, <laughs> howling howling um, in red swimming trunks and a bucket and spade and he's weeping and weeping and weeping and there's Southwold Bay and then it says I don't want to leave Southwold and that's a sort of something frankly that, um, that, 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 that we all feel really we've sort of cast out of paradise and he is facing that but the interesting thing most particularly about this postcard is is that it highly evocative thing to put at the end of the book that I wrote because it is the last word when you leave and you come back next year. But we know that it was posted in August 1914, not the precise date, which is sad. And the note on the other side says it was sent by Jack to his mother, who lived in I, saying, just a note to, to say that I'm getting on fine and shall not be home until Tuesday. That's it from Jack. And it's just like a little text, isn't it? It's a sort of um, early 20th century text saying, I'm all right, Jack, actually. (laughs) Very convenient. Just an update, really. Yes, but then there's huge pathos here, really, because it was sent in August 1914, and it almost certainly coincided with the declaration of the First World War. And Jack is highly likely, since he was literate and enough to write the postcard, that he was cannon fodder in the First World War. And that's something to pull out of the postcard and give it an extra life. We can't know who it is, and um, we probably never will. But um, goodness, what a, what a clout that thing has got from the seaside there. Mm, so resonating away from the happy holiday to... terrible events on the world stage. Yes, absolutely. And um, so postcards from Southwold, I mean, they proliferate and they always have done and there are um, strange ones and perhaps you'll know what they are. They're sort of oil-like. There's a technique of transferring photography with a sort of oil-like Oh, well, they're called oilettes. They are called, yes, that's silly on me. And, um, and oilettes, so you could send an oilette from Southwold and from nearby Warbleswick, and the town is very pretty. It's um, a Regency town with lovely architecture, and it comes to a 
startling cliff and so it's got brilliant perspectives and it's been um, the subject of almost every the mirror of actually the city of london because it had plague and fire and famine but it's known now to be a sort of jaunty unspoilt lovely place to go but here lurks tragedy well, i suppose it's sort of written into the history in a way isn't it the the golden age when so many cards were sent obviously it was really from about 1900 to about 1914. Millions and millions of cards sent um, every week, I think. Yes, I'm sure. And so many of those correspondents would then have been touched very closely by, by the Great War. Yes, hugely. And I suppose you'd wait for a postcard and the waiting would be the agony of that because if you didn't get one, there was the strongest implication that something terrible had happened um, through bombs and and both world wars, that silence was hugely evocative and the the telephone was not there for very many people. It was very much an elite who had telephones. And so they relied totally on correspondence. And, um, And the cult of correspondence is very interesting because if you take it back a bit further than that into the mid 19th century, it's the only way, and stress the only way, to communicate. There was nothing else, so you'd have a writing box and wonderful stationery and um, sealing wax and your own seal. And um, and as we said earlier, when the recipient saw the handwriting, it would be really like listening to the voice of the Hmm. sender. And then if you really hadn't got the voice, you saw the seal with there. And, And so postcards are the extension of that and they have all the power of the handwritten letter but the handwritten letter still and indeed the postcard is perhaps not the postcard in this instance but it's the only way it's completely transsocial if you write a handwritten letter you can write that to to anybody in society anywhere in the world it's a perfectly respectable thing to write a letter um, and address somebody in the correct way in order to ask them a question. And you'll more than likely get a response. So what's happened really is is that the written word, the, the, the handwritten letter, perhaps postcard, is the sort of um, uh, the exoset of the 21st century. It arrives on the desk and explodes. Everybody must open it. It's almost sometimes even fragrant. <laughs> Except I think when postcards came along, they were not quite as respectable as letters. No. Uh, be- partly because they didn't have that um, formality to them. Yes. Letters sure. had, had a lot of formality at the beginning and yeah. the end, and there were correct ways to express things, and they were yes. rather circumspect. Exactly. Postcards, are, because of space, are quite direct. And I think one of the reasons they were considered a bit um, not quite respectable was because they didn't have all that politeness. Um, and they were more like... A conversation. They were closer to talking mm. than to writing, and also, as we see in lots of old cards, they're, although they're, they're all literate, you, you, an illiterate person wouldn't write a card. You can't write if you're illiterate. But levels of literacy, levels of formality in writing, you didn't need to be a practiced writer to jot something down. And, and the card, if you, if you wanted to get something across in a few words, you could on a postcard. Yes. And what about naughty postcards? Because Southwold's by the seaside, so there'd be lots of stripy beach huts and things like that with girls with bosoms and all that sort of stuff and lecherous old boys looking. Do, and, uh, do you have a collection of these? I Jeffrey? don't, sadly. I must work one up. <laughs> Brighton's I, 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 I think Southwold might have been too respectable for that kind of thing. Absolutely bank on that. I have seen some, but anyway. Blackpool no. was, was obviously the home of the, the, the naughty postcard. Yes, yes. And were all kinds. In fact, I think um, the Postcard Traders Association was set up specifically um, in the early part of the 20th century uh, to try to have some kind of control over um, the proliferation of these naughty postcards. Yes. Because postcards were getting such a bad name 
that um, they were worried that people wouldn't want to buy the respectable ones because the form itself was grubby. Yes. You know, I have a faintest memory of that myself, that you'd walk past them in Brighton on the seafront and when you were a kid and they would... Yeah, yeah we quite sort yeah. of... Oh, don't look at that, my dear. No, no, excuse me. We're bothered with that. Have some candy floss. And, um, and, and so, yes, they were a bit lewd, I think is a good word. Lewd. <laughs> lewd. Rude, lewd pace cards. Well... Thank you both so much for coming along and for sharing uh, your cards with, with me and with the listeners. Uh, it's been really kind of you. Um, oh, thank you. It's been lovely. Another, yeah. another quick uh, reminder to those of you at home, images of all the cards that sent us hurtling towards these various memories and stories, they're all on the blog at postcardfromthepast.co.uk, including a last one from me in the past postcard style. This is a very quick one. This is from 1990. It's a picture of Ullswater in Cumbria. And the message is... There are lots of young hikers here pursuing Wordsworth in tight jeans. (laughs) (laughs) Well written, I think. Well written. Yeah, very, very good observation, isn't it? Now, before we let Geoffrey and John back out into their worlds, uh, I've got one more postcard for you both to have a look at. It's become customary for us to finish the programme with one of these. Oh, yeah, let me... uh, what do you think of that? Look at that. Ooh, I'm not sure what you do with that. It's, it's an array it of yes, it's an array of scantily clad youths of both genders. Um, what are they doing? Water skiing, Water skiing. with holding flags aloft yes. in a, in a line. There are one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. 11 of them. It's kind of Eurovision of the water ski world. It is, yeah, (laughs) absolutely, yeah. It is, and it's got a hole in the middle, which is a bit disconcerting. Yes, it's a a phonoscope. A phonoscope? And what do you do with a phonoscope? I have no idea. It looks like it has grooves on it. Yes. Oh, look, there it is. It's a record. Oh, my (laughs) God. Yes, so you can hear this postcard. Wasn't that extraordinary? David has been keeping an eye on us from the other room. Um, Let's see if he can do something with this uh, for us. Oh, amazing. What do you reckon, John? I feel like I'm immediately on drugs. (laughs) (laughs) Not bad for a piece of cardboard. It's very redolent of your postcard of the the Spanish girl with the... Yes, yes. Yeah, there she is, indifferent. No, yes, yes, there you are. Make her done. How much were the drinks again? (laughs) Cocktail for two shillings, anyone? Cocktails, two shillings. That sounds about right. Well, as the serried ranks of international water skiers continue to approach us but never arrive... That's it for this time on Podcast from the Past. I'd very much like to thank my first-class guests for sharing the postcards from their pasts, John Grinrod and Geoffrey Munn. Thank you both. Thank you. Thank you. It's been wonderful. Thank you. And thank you for listening. Bye for now. You can see more postcards with their messages posted every day on Twitter. Do follow me at Past Postcard. And you can buy the book Postcard from the Past by me, Tom Jackson, at Amazon and all good booksellers. 
And if you're looking for podcast production, check out wardorstudios.co.uk. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more and is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.